Hey everybody, this is David Petty, uh, Pastor David Petty with Crossfire Faith and Gaming with another episode. This is episode three of our podcast. Uh, welcome to our podcast and with me is our co-host, Russ Dornish. Thanks for having me. Always, always happy to be here on this wonderful, wonderful podcast. Yeah, so uh, I want to start us off with just diving into like, uh, how are things going? Just a a weekly check-in, I guess not weekly, bi-weekly, as often as we're having these podcasts. So Russ, how are you doing? Uh, Doing pretty good. Surviving right now. Um, Lucky that Montana is doing pretty well with all the stuff going on right now. So things are lessening here. We're starting to open up a little bit more. Um, But yeah, it's been it's been good. No, you know, pretty even keeled, um, getting to play a decent amount of games in my free time. So that's always a benefit and a bonus right now. Um, nice. what about, what about you? What's, what's going on in your world right now with everything that's happening? Yeah. Um, so I've, I've been, you know, um, really fortunate to be able to do a lot of online worship. Um, really, you know, fortunate to have the background, put that all together, uh, it's, it's a lot <laughs> each and every week to put together a whole, you know, kind of 40 minute package deal. Um, but you know, it's, it's been fun. It's been a, a lot of, uh, creative energy that I'm pouring into that. So that's been neat. Uh, also, you know, I've got two kids and they just finished school. So uh, they're out for the summer, which is exciting, but, uh, it's kind of like, yay, now we get to do, uh, what are we doing? You know, what are we doing over the summer? Like, are we, we still can't really play with friends and still can't go anywhere and all the camps are canceled. So maybe we'll just play Minecraft and animal crossing, um, you know, and, and go hike trails and things like that. So, uh, so we've been doing a lot of that and then, uh, yeah, I'm putting in this podcast with you, which is exciting. Um, so what have you been uh, playing during this wonderful time? I'm assuming you may say animal crossing and Minecraft. <laughs> I have been playing a little bit of animal crossing, a little bit of Minecraft, I uh, just got into Control the other day, the weird, wonderful, beautiful world that is Control. Uh, played some Planet Coaster this afternoon with my kids, just the good fun of like making roller coasters and pretending to ride them. Um, helped my wife get a platinum on Horizon Zero Dawn and uh, get those last couple of, um, what are they, the, I don't, I don't know, the Grazer trophy that she had to get. Um and what else? I uh, still got to get back into Beyond Two Souls, and that's about it. Uh, oh, and Super Hot played a little bit of Super Hot, which Ooh. is interesting. Uh, yeah, so that's what I've been doing—just a tiny bit here and there, little dabbles. What about you, Russ? What are you even playing? Oh man, let's see. Uh, I have di- I have gotten back into um, sh- more Shadow of War, um, the uh, Lord of the Rings game. Okay. Uh, I find, you know, both those games have been a lot of fun with the Batman Arkham style combat and the Nemesis system, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so gotten back into that old game, waiting on a couple new games coming out. I do have Maneater showing up tomorrow. So <laughs> next podcast, you will get my thoughts on Maneater Shark RPG Simulator. So I mean, that's that's one that I feel like we should do like uh like Russ and Dave play man eater. That um, might have to be. Cause I think it's and, be and maybe, maybe we should get your wife to narrate it. I think that'd be fun. <laughs> um, we, we talked about just for all of you guys that are listening, we might at some point have uh, an exciting like ladies night podcast with some of the ladies in our lives that play games. And um, I know my Except- wife's excited about animal crossing and, 
Uh, Amber Mitz, who's out there listening, uh, probably uh, playing some Animal Crossing. What and, else? Uh, my yeah. wife does not play games, so that would be very interesting. She, uh, <laughs> I, she used to play games. Her sister had her play games. I mentioned um, one of our news stories, which is a very exciting um, part of the news. Uh, I mentioned that it was coming. She's like, oh, I played that with my sister when I was growing up. That's actually kind of exciting. So um, some cross-generational stuff going on with that. But other than that, Maneater, um, Shadow of War, I throw in a couple sports games here and there. I'm doing some trophy cleanup in some games. Um, my most recent platinum, oh, was Bioshock. I went back and finished Bioshock. So Great series. A lot of fun. I, I had never finished the game all the way through. I knew the ending already. Sucks. I got it spoiled for me because that's a pretty big uh, twist ending. But um, finally platinumed it. And nice. It was a lot of fun to get to do that in a couple days. Yeah, you got to go back and play uh, Bioshock Infinite now. That's I know. I really want to play that one. Yeah, and yeah. I've got a couple copies of that. So I on PS3, and I have the remastered version. So got to pick those up. But let's uh, let's jump right into the news. We got we got. Yeah, I'm I'm it's very surprised uh, with the pandemic, which I thought was going to cause a lot of shortage with news. Um, <laughs> instead of getting like the big E3 event, we are getting a steady stream of news almost every day, which is kind of fun. It's yeah. like it's like Christmas for a month. It's like Christmas for eight days instead of one day. Like, I know. what would that be like? <laughs> uh, gosh, I don't know. Christmas for eight days instead of one. Probably like it's probably Hanukkah, right? That's that's very very yeah. true. Um, I so feel like first... this this amount of news is almost unreal. Just <laughs> <laughs> a terrible terrible segue into the first news the story. Buttons. Here we go. Which. Honestly, I was very excited for. So after the state of play, which we've talked about in the previous podcast with Xbox, not showing any gameplay, disappointing people all over the world because they want to see next-gen gameplay. Yeah. Well, Sony partners with Unreal to show off Unreal Engine 5 and to show us some next-gen gameplay, which, in my opinion, blew me away. What about you, Dave? What were your thoughts on seeing that, um, that demo? Yeah, holy cow. Um, I mean, I watched it and was just blown away that the amount of detail, the amount of the, the complexity of the textures. Um, I, I mean, and the fact that they're talking about this engine that's out there uh, that can pull in from the, the Quixel Megascans library, uh, which is a library that they use for like cinema assets. I mean, they, they are literally pulling in the same kinds of stuff and sometimes even the same stuff that was used in the Mandalorian used in other movies. And they're not pulling in like the, the low res versions. I mean, they're pulling in the high res cinema asset versions and just copy paste. I mean, <laughs> into the world. So, uh, I'm excited to see what this means for the speed of game development, for the amount of, um, graphical fidelity in game development. I, you know, the, the fact that they were also then talking about the AI behind it, um, the way that the bugs moved away from the light and the, uh, the hand on the door and the, um, the ability to climb different rocks. You know, this has always been one of my uh, pet peeves in games. It's like, Oh, I really want to climb this wall. Hold on. I have to look for the yellow lines so that I know that I can climb it. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if you could just climb something because it's there, uh, and that's kind of what they showed off. And then the AI required to make it look natural, the foot placement, the hand placement. Uh, I was just blown away by this. 
Uh, and of course, all powered by the next gen PS five and it's powerful SSD. And I have to put out there because some of my PC gaming groups have been uh, adamantly uh, fighting about this. They're talking not just about the load times with the with the SSD, the NVMe uh, M.2, but they're talking about like totally changing the way that they that the software utilizes that SSD. Well, and and when they do that, it's going to help PC gaming because oh, yeah. I mean, it's going to help you, Xbox and PC. When you develop for one thing, if you have it across the board, then it's going to help everybody because now developers are going to implement that in every game. Oh, yeah. So obviously those those SSDs will eventually be available on PC, most likely even by the fall when the systems launch. But what this means is those games that come out on PS5 that are using that SSD to its limit, you're going to get those same games and be able to do the same thing on your PC, which benefits all gamers. So I think that's something exciting to look at. But then on, on the Unreal 5 engine that we just saw, I wasn't sure what I was expecting with next gen. Um, again, that Xbox reveal, I was just like, Meh. Like, none of the games screamed at me, oh, this is next-gen. Right. And seeing this Unreal 5 engine and what's potentially available to both consoles, to PC coming up, I'm like, yes, sign me up. Please, I want <clears throat> that. And yeah. I want that now. Take all my money. We still have no idea what the console looks like, but whatever's in it has some fairy dust on it. Well, so speaking of the PlayStation and um, consoles, of course, our next story that I'm bringing up is we got the wonderful, again, Sony had a good week. I will say that. And I've heard a lot of people say that who said Sony's been having some issues going into next gen because they're not really saying much. And then they took what Xbox did with no gameplay and they immediately followed up with the Unreal 5 engine. And an 18-minute gameplay demo of Ghost of Tsushima that comes out in July. Yeah. And, who boy, does Ghost of Tsushima look beautiful. Um, I know you watched it as well. I watched it in 4K on my OLED TV because I was like, I have to watch this on as best possible scenario as I can. And it looked fantastic. Uh, what were your thoughts on seeing that, for, that, that extended gameplay? Yeah, I thought it looked amazing. I think the the way that you move throughout the world looks amazing. Um, the character customization, I think, will be neat. Uh, I was a little wondering, I was left wondering um, how deep the story goes, how intricate the gameplay is. Uh, you know, is this going to be a game that is fun but lacks depth? Um, that's not, you know, I mean, thinking about games like... Um, Red Dead Redemption 2, right? You know, any Rockstar product, the polish that is on that to make it so deep and so intricate and so um, just rich with detail, uh, I'm wondering if that's going to be there. I think it definitely looked like it could be, and especially since what we're seeing is just the demo. Like, who knows how deep and how real the world is? Um, but I also appreciated all of the head nods to, like, culture in there. Uh, all those little like monuments that you can go around to. Um, I think one of my biggest questions is uh, how hard is this game going to be? <laughs> well, and that that's something that I, I looked up and it just came out today. So um, in an article on IGN um, that was written by Jonathan Dornbush, uh, he actually talked to one of the developers in the game and they had this to say in regards to the difficulty. So I'll read the quote verbatim here. 
We are trying to make a grounded game in that sense. So a couple blows from the enemy will kill you, Fox said. The game is very challenging. We have three words to describe the combat. Mud, blood, and steel. We absolutely honor the lethality of swords. We watch samurai movies and people go down with one or two strikes. And that is embedded inside this combat. Beating the Mongols in battle will be very hard, but it's that challenge that makes it feel alive and the victory rewarding. You can't just run into a camp and fight five people at the same time. You will get overwhelmed and die. Now, that reminds me a lot of the way people describe Neo, Sekiro, Dark Souls, Bloodborne. Those are all games that people love. But are those games accessible to everybody? No. And it's not (laughs) just for people like me who aren't the greatest at difficult games. But also people have brought up the fact that... um, you know, special needs gamers have an issue playing those games. You know, people who have to use a different controller or a different layout just aren't able to play those really difficult games. So my question is, and I wonder, is Sony going to offer two ways of playing where one is like a super easy difficulty they're not really talking about versus like the normal difficulty that gives us really hard combat? I mean, what, what is your thoughts? Have you played any of those like Dark Souls type games? No, and, and as you were, I mean, I've stayed away from some of those games. In in fact, um, you know, Sekiro looked amazing, um, but I was like, I've heard this game is insanely hard. I don't have the time or the energy to like put in a hundred hours just to get good at a game to be able to beat it. Um, and so I've, I've stayed away from some of those, but unfortunately what that means is we're not going to be able to access those stories. And I love that you brought up the accessibility piece, uh, you know, especially as a, as a, you know, faith-based podcast here. Um, one of my major con- uh, considerations and concerns has always been a, a matter of justice. And, you know, are we doing justice by allowing access uh, to gamers of different abilities? And, you know, maybe even, this is a good question, you know, would it be something that you could put in not necessarily as a game mode, but an accessibility option that, you know, if you choose certain accessibility options in your console, that that would enable easy mode, which might not be available just for like the average person to go in uh, and and access, you know, because they want it to be hard. But, you know, for somebody to say, look, I, I don't have the use of two hands. I don't have the use of both of my thumbs. Um, I'm going to need a, an adaptable controller, which then also begs the question, as we're talking about Ghost of Tsushima, because it's a PlayStation exclusive, right? You know... Uh, Xbox has their adaptability controller, which just blew me away when I saw it, uh, you know, and, and brought me to tears watching those commercials of all the kids going to the other kid's house to watch them beat the game. Does PlayStation have anything like that? Do they have any plans for anything like that? Do we write Sony a letter and be like, hey, Sony, get your act together. I love your product, but. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't think right now they do. They don't have an exact specific one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different mods and things. I have heard that PS4 has some of the better accessibility settings straight on the console. Okay. But does that translate to the controller? I don't know. That'd be something to talk to, yeah. you know, a, a, a person who has to go through that and has to actually experience that and whether or not that's an option for them or whether they've just kind of stuck to, you know, Xbox because of the, the controller that they're able to create for them. That's, that's something completely entirely different. Um, and I'm not even sure. Going back to what you said, too, about the fleshing out the story and, and the details all like Red Dead, the one thing I do want to mention, 
is Sucker Punch, who created this game. They have not released a full-fledged title since 2014. Wow. Six years since they did release the small release of um, Infamous uh, First Light, which was semi-big, semi-not, kind of add-on to Infamous Second Son. And I believe that released uh, maybe a few months after, a year after Infamous Second Son. So at the least, they've been developing this for five years. Sure. So I I have a feeling that, you know, they're going to put some polish on it. It's going to look great. I just, I don't want it to be too difficult that I can't enjoy it for what it is. Um, Because like you said, the big thing I've heard from a lot of people is I don't have the time to get good at those games. Because everyone who plays those Dark Souls, they say... The whole point is you're supposed to die a ton, and each time you die, you learn a tiny bit more about your opponent. And right. so you just keep learning until eventually one day you beat him and you feel so good. This is the reason I haven't gotten past, like, level three or four in Cupheads. <laughs> I don't know if you ever played Cupheads, but oh, it is yeah. a whole lot of fun, and it is infuriating. And I just, eventually I just put it down. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> So we've kind of gotten a regular bi-weekly podcast segment on Google Stadia. So this week we have another Google Stadia moment. Are you serious? And this one this is quite interesting <laughs> because I am seeing this spout uh, sprout all over the internet today. We are recording this on Thursday night. It posted today. So S- Stadia has its first timed exclusive away from consoles. Seriously. Mind you, mind you I will put an asterisk on this because it is ava- going to be available on PC, which it seems most timed exclusives are. It's just which yeah. console you release on. Well, Stadia is getting Serious Sam 4 in August for one year. Wow. So what are your thoughts on them getting Serious Sam at launch and not letting it go to uh, PlayStation or Xbox? Um, I mean, I remember playing one of the first Serious Sam games it is, it is definitely just a run and gun, shoot everything, you know, very much like Doom. Uh, you know, in some ways, you know, I wonder about maybe they went after it because it was so similar to Doom. And they also were one of the uh, early uh, Doom Eternal um, promoters. And so, yeah, maybe that's why they, they had some success there. And um, I don't know. I it's weird. I, you know, I think Serious Sam is a, is a franchise that's been out for a long time. Uh, it's an older franchise, so I think to bring back something new is kind of weird. But Stadia is kind of weird. Um, I wish them the best, and I hope it succeeds. But I just don't know how serious people are going to be about Serious Sam 4 on Stadia. If nothing else, it's really good alliteration, Serious Sam on Stadia. But uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, and we've talked about this off the air, but my big thing is I'm wondering how much Stadia paid, how much Google paid for this exclusive. Because this is a little bit bigger than some of the previous exclusives they've had. It's mostly been indie titles, things that weren't that big. Um, This, I think, is one of the bigger games they've got. Is it the biggest game I've ever seen them get yet? No. It's not akin to, say, you know, Final Fantasy VII Remake that PlayStation got as a timed exclusive. That is massive. But I was telling you, like, one thing we've noticed this generation is PlayStation has been kind of the home for most times exclusives. And I think that that's a mix of both, obviously, Sony giving them money, but then the install base of PlayStation also bringing in that company money. 
So it's kind of a wash for them. They see it as, okay, we're going to get a little extra money to be exclusive. We also are going to get a ton of people who buy this game. Now, Serious Sam, unfortunately, the fact is that Stadia is probably at one, maybe 1.5 million people at this point, I heard. I heard closer to 1.5 since it went free. So if 1.5 million people have the chance to purchase Serious Sam... I don't know, you know, what kind of that that looks like versus, you know, the PS5 or Xbox, which are closer to 100 million consoles and 100 million people that can buy. So it's always interesting to figure out what the economics are of it and whether or not Google um, paid a ton of money for this. But it's probably something we'll never learn because those things are not shared with the public. So interesting get by Stadia. Smart. It's what they need to start doing if they want to compete and start pulling people in. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what this leads to in the future. Well, and I did pull up an article here from January 16th on VentureBeat.com uh, about Google Stadia getting 10 timed exclusives in the first half of 2020. Um, so, you know, hopefully this is just the tip of the iceberg. It'll be really interesting to see what else they get. I, you know, I think that business-wise, I think they've made a lot of good moves that, that have positioned them to be serious in this. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended, but I guess <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Um, but I mean the whole EA acquisition, the deal that they got with, um, Blizzard to be kind of the exclusive, um, platform for uh, streaming, um, Overwatch, uh, esports, uh, yeah, some of that kind of stuff. I mean, you could see if Blizzard brought all of their titles onto Stadia, if all of the EA sports titles, I mean, we see that 2k 21 golf, uh, which hopefully is going to be a decent game. Cause I haven't seen a good golf game since, Tiger Woods 97 or whatever that was. Um, but it'll be really interesting. Uh, and this is where I just keep kind of sitting on the sidelines watching Sadia, kind of wondering, you know, could this be the uh, AAA ball player to make it to the big leagues? I don't know. Well, and you can't forget about U- Ubisoft. I mean, they have the, oh, uh, right. the Play Store. I, I did. The Play Store membership Ubisoft. are coming to Stadia at some point this right. summer. Well, and um, the which, entire Uplay Plus library, yep. right, is what they said. And so I think Ubisoft, if they can bring the entire Uplay Plus library and deliver on that cross-platform play that they've been talking about, and if Activision Blizzard, I mean, you know, with Call of Duty Warzone as a free, uh, you know, That's the one. battle royale game, now they just need Minecraft and Fortnite. We talked about that last week. I won't talk about it again. So what else do we have in the news? <laughs> So last uh, bit of news for me that I have is kind of exciting, kind of came out of nowhere, um, but the Mafia Trilogy got remastered slash remake, which is going to bring us to another <laughs> idea and is subject to talk about. Slash that's an and or a slash that's an or? Uh, and. We'll say and. Okay. It's, it's definitely an and. So Mafia 1 is getting a full remake with new graphics, everything new, just because it's such an old game. And it's coming out August 28th. Um, now, as of the day that they announced this, which was uh, May 19th, um, Mafia 2 and Mafia 3 are getting remastered, which is weird because Mafia 3 has already been out on current-gen consoles. So I don't know what a remaster looks like. From what I've sure. heard from reading articles, they've upped the frame rate a little bit. Resolution's gotten a little better. Um, but... The cool thing that I want to talk about, and it's something that could play into the future of kind of how this works. If you own Mafia 2 or Mafia 3 on PC, Xbox, or PlayStation, 
you got upgraded to the new remastered version for free. So it just automatically appeared in your library. When this happened, I went and looked. I happened to have Mafia 2 in my Steam library. Sure enough, it's showing the remastered version. Um, I did pre-order the trilogy, which gave me access to both 2 and 3 on my PlayStation 4 that day. Wow. And then I'll get access to the remake come May, uh, August 28th. So what are your thoughts about getting the free game, the re-releases of these games, and what a remake actually looks like? Sure. Well, and I think um, you know, my first thought, just my uh, more cynical nature was like, well, what if you like the bad graphics? Um, <laughs> you know, what if what if you like the original Mafia that came out for PlayStation 2 and Xbox in 2002? Uh, and the way that it looked back then, um, we'll talk about some other PlayStation two games later, but, um, yeah. So I think it's an amazing thing. I think it's really neat. This has always been one of my primary reasons for not going back and playing some of the older games. You know, somebody comes out and says, oh man, you got to play this franchise. This, this game is amazing. You know, you've got to go play uncharted, right? Well, I don't know the gameplay, the, 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 graphics you know do i really want to go back to ps3 graphics do i really want to go back to like 2002 computer graphics um you know i'm not i'm not going back and playing carmen san diego that i played on the pc when i was a kid um right <laughs> so well, and- so this has been a thing that's held me back um from going back and reimagining and replaying some of those games even like Half-Life, um, that I grew up playing Half-Life and I grew up playing all the, the Half-Life mods, you know, Counter-Strike, things like that. Um, and then you see things like uh, Black Mesa, a fan-made graphical remake of the entire Half-Life game that has amazing graphics. So why not? Uh, and if for nothing else, we know. You look at, at the movies, you look at media, we know that just graphically updating old stories with better graphics sells a lot, right? Look at what Disney's doing with their entire collection. Lion <laughs> King, better graphics. Mulan, better graphics. Cinderella, better graphics. Why not games? So I think this is the answer to why not games, and the answer is why not? <laughs> Let's do it. So I think it's neat. Uh, I'm excited to see where these games go, and I think hopefully more games will do this uh, to reimagine, remaster, re-release old games with new graphics. Well, and I think we're right now in that age. And my example for it, like what you were saying with Uncharted, I'll go back further than that. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard from people saying Final Fantasy VII is the greatest game of all time. The story is amazing. The gameplay is amazing. The graphics were amazing back then. They were amazing. They took the PlayStation 1 to levels nobody thought was possible. You look at it now and you're like, oh my gosh. It looks like a child drew that. But we get a game like Final Fantasy VII Remake that I jumped into and got my first taste of it. And I am hooked. That game is beautiful. I love the new combat they made. The story is fun. The game is just perfect. You look at Resident Evil. Resident Evil yeah, 2, two and 3. 2 and 3 are are wonderful reimaginings of the same game that people liked. You have these shells of a game from way back when that people loved. Why don't you update it to now and you get another game that is that amazing thing just with today's graphics that people love. So yeah. I think and I wonder if we're going to see more of this now especially with the whole mafia. I mean nobody saw this coming. I mean, Mafia has a decent following, and people have loved those games over the years. 
But to completely remake the first one and make it look the way it does, which, by the way, if you're out there right now at some point, look up the screenshots to Mafia Remake because it looks fantastic. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what other games might be out there that they could remake and, and bring to a whole new generation through this. Yeah. Well, and I think in that same vein, I, you know, the other games that uh, when I think back about like some of my favorite games as a kid, I loved going over to my friend's house and playing on the PlayStation 2. And what was I playing? Tony Hawk Pro Skater, right? And and what else did we see re-released this week with a new remaster, updated oh. graphics, but same exact gameplay, which in many ways, I think for fans of the franchise, where they see all of the stuff they tried to do with like Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 and 4 and on, you know, with all the balance mechanics and almost making it more like a skateboard simulator than a fun arcade style game. Um bringing it back you know i i think this is gonna fly off the shelves in september um i you know and especially all the news that they want a bunch of the original soundtrack to be on there um i'm excited i think tony hawk's excited <laughs> it's neat well it's neat. of course he's excited because you know what this means <laughs> oh, yeah. bills. Oh, like yeah. the guy made so much money off of his video games i don't know if you saw the story where he said that after, I think it was the first or second one with how good it was, he came in to like a, a prep meeting and they were like, well, the game's doing really well, you know, blah, blah, blah. They slid him a check and said, here's your royalties for the game. And it was like a couple million dollars. And he was just like, all this to put my name on a video game. Like, yeah. yes. And your likeness, right? You can play as Tony Hawk. You can well, yes. buy the birdhouse skateboards. You can... <laughs> But um, to go on with that, I think it's going to be huge. The one thing I saw all over my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram, were non-gamers posting about the re-release of Tony Hawk with amazing graphics. I had people constantly saying, well, I'm buying a console now. For the first time in like 20 years, I'm buying a console because I want to play my Tony Hawk. Sure. So it's, I think it's, it's. Would you almost call it like a, a culture or whatever that was back then of that Tony Hawk? Like, oh yeah, well, I mean, the '90s and, and early 2000s were chock full of skate culture, right? So, you know, in some ways, that whole skate culture has gone away. You know, it's been replaced with like your know, Fortnite and kids playing, you know, uh, making TikTok videos and stuff like that, uh, which I I still don't understand. Um, but you know, I think in some ways the that culture and if nothing else it's a fresh gameplay style that we haven't had in a long time you know and this is the thing that we got talking about a couple of weeks ago um, i'm tired of playing military shooters I, you know i'm tired of playing battle royale games i'm you know i'm tired of playing uh you know shoot up aliens i'm i want fresh i want uh family friendly i want um i want something creative and energetic um and tony hawk is that you know <laughs> There's, there's not a whole lot that's uh, not wholesome about just going and going on the half pipe and, you know, well, I, you know and I, maybe the damaging property kids out there don't damage property. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It's a it's a good fun time. Yeah. I, um, thinking back on it, I mean, we we had a while there where the skating game industry was kind of uh, saturated. Yeah. Um, and I know that people have been clamoring because after Tony Hawk, after Tony Hawk one and two, the next biggest skate franchise that came out was skate. Like yeah. people loved how it innovated. They loved that game. 
They keep clamoring for a new one, and for some reason, EA is just like dangling a little carrot in front of people where they like do these teases and stuff, and then nothing comes of it. Um, which I have no idea what that's about. Like people want that game, and now Tony Hawk's going to kind of capitalize on that want for that. Um, but it's interesting to see that they definitely are learning because I, I don't know if you know this, but um, did you ever see the release of Tony Hawk HD? No. So technically, they did re-release Tony Hawk already. Um, for it was PS3, but you can get it online. Um, I played it, not the same because they didn't license the music. Hmm. They couldn't get the licenses. Um, they had to tweak some of the gameplay to some of the newer standards, which didn't give people the feel. They they just said it didn't play very well. Sure. Um, so it, it was missing a lot, and that was, I think, the point of this announcement. If you notice the announcement, they really went down the list of things that people complained about Tony Hawk HD. We're going full remake, full redo. We're getting the soundtrack. The original controls are in there, plus a couple benefits. They did add in a couple things from Tony Hawk 3 and 4 that people kind of liked um, that's going to help it refresh it a little bit. But I am I am so pumped for this game and to just have you know the, the ability to just put the game on and just skate for a little while and not really care about what's going on. Well, and I remember when Tony Hawk pro skater two came out with their demo, I think it was in a, an edition of PC gamer magazine. And the only thing you could play was one of the levels that was like in a shopping mall. And the only sound that you heard other than the skateboard was Goldfinger Superman. And so, you know, if, if we can go back to that nostalgia moment of the, you know, just, I think people oh. are going to buy it. I think people are going to love it. I think parents are going to love their kids skateboarding all over the place instead of, uh, you know, shooting each other up on Fortnite. I don't know. And, you know, think about the multiplayer potential. I have no idea if this is a real thing, but think about the multiplayer potential for a game like that that you didn't have on the PlayStation 2 when it came out that you do have now. You know, you could you could have 10 people skateboarding together in a half pipe. Well, it sounds like they're doing they're doing split screen, um, which nice. I can't remember the last time I've seen a split screen game because it seems to have gone kind of the way of the dodo. Well, um, and this is a thing that Stadia had had really touted, and so maybe they should jump on this bandwagon too. Was the ability for you to do couch co op split screen uh, that for a long time has really been bottlenecked by the fact that you cannot do that much graphical rendering, you know, when you're when you're doing 4K graphics to be putting out four different camera angles simultaneously rendering that world. You just can't do it. Um, Stadia says we can, but we'll see. All right. And we're back. <laughs> that, that's it. <laughs> we just have hey, to play the crossfire know, theme again. Hey, everybody loves speaking the crossfire of, speaking theme. Speaking of nostalgia, right? Special thanks to uh, DJ 8-Bit Mullet and, uh, for letting us borrow his remix of the crossfire theme. This is, this is my part to talk about. I won't cut this whole part out. No, it's okay. Just leave the leave the pregnant pause in there for everybody at home okay. to just sit yep. there in silence for a couple seconds and think the episode's over. Actually, right. please don't. Yeah, edit don't, that don't out. End the, yeah, I'll edit that Because out. we don't have enough people <laughs> listening for that to work. 
Yeah, both people are gonna, they're probably gonna turn off. Um, okay, so Russ, I want to get into a little bit of an interview. Um, last week you interviewed me, or two weeks ago you interviewed me, asked me about my background, all the things that I like, um, favorite games. So uh, we talked about a bunch of games just now, a bunch of nostalgia, right? Uh, favorite games from our childhood. So Russ, what are your top five favorite games and why? So top five favorite games. So we kind of chatted about this and it really played into Tony Hawk being there. Um, Tony Hawk one was definitely up there. Um, it was the only time a lot of my friends wanted to play video games. Uh, I didn't have a lot of friends who were into video games, but to be able to just sit around and play Tony Hawk forever was just kind of a nostalgic, awesome feeling. Um, so that's definitely on the list. Another action sports game that has to be on my favorite list, SSX tricky. Um, you cannot get the, you know, run DMC tricky song out of your head when you start thinking about that game. A uh, little bit of David Arquette in the game as one of the characters. Um, so that game was awesome. And I love that game for so many, so many reasons. Um, up next, Jade Empire. I don't know if you've ever heard or played Jade Empire. So it is made by BioWare. It was during the time that they made Knights of the Old Republic. It is an action RPG. So unlike Knights of the Old Republic, which is a um, turn-based action you know, RPG game, this one was full action set in like mythical Japan and you are like a samurai ninja um, and you have to defeat like this mythical ghostly um, evil enemy. And it has all of the cool Bioware stuff. The story is amazing. The gameplay was amazing. That game rocked my world. I'm still mad to this day that they never went and made a sequel. So many people have clamored for that. So um, Jade Empire would be that. Number two would be The Last of Us. Um, what can we say about that game? Except for that the story is unbelievable and amazing. And the graphics for when it came out on the PS3 um, was top of the line, top notch. Acting was top notch. And I enjoyed the multiplayer i played that multiplayer probably more than i played any other multiplayer in a game um, which was a little surprising so that that all around great package and then my number one game going back to naughty dog i'm gonna go with uncharted 2 which is my og most favorite game i played through it about five times so far um, i've platinumed it twice once on ps3 once on ps4 so that game the story it has probably the best opening to a video game ever, period. And if you look online, a lot of people agree with me on that because it is just the coolest action set piece to start a game I've ever seen. And immediately you are hooked. So that kind of really drew me in to be a Naughty Dog fan and Uncharted became my favorite game series ever after that game. All right. So, um, what does your background in gaming look like? I mean, where, where did you start? Tell me, um, like what was the first game you remember playing and how did you fall in love with games? So my first game I ever played was, um, Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo. We got the Super Nintendo, um, when it first came out, we had it in our family. Um, my dad was kind of, he dabbled in that stuff a little bit. He dabbled in some PC gaming around that time too. You know, when we were getting the floppy disk time, I remember him playing Doom on the PC. I was not allowed to play it because back then I was way too young. Um, but I remember playing Super Mario 
to be honest, could I get past the first like five levels? No, but I could play those five levels over and over and over again. And I loved it. And slowly as time went on and I got a little bit older, I became more fascinated with my games and the Super Nintendo kind of became my system because my dad just didn't have the time to play. So I took off and I started exploring other games and other ways of, of playing it. And it just kind of just hit home for me at that point. I would say my first uh, big major like this is it uh, gaming moment was when I got my PlayStation 1 for Christmas. I don't even remember asking for a PlayStation 1. I didn't know what it was. I didn't um, know it even existed. My dad obviously knew I like games and he knew about this stuff. So Christmas morning, I open up a PS1 and I open up NHL 97 for my PS1 and I pop it in and I am thinking this is the greatest that gaming is ever going to get because they they even put in the the pre this is the one like with the game fighting, right well you can fight in it of course but yeah. so the pregame for NHL 97 they had an actual um video of an announcer so they did like that whole almost like night trap if you know what i'm talking about like weird video playing inside of the game and i was like this is amazing. How did they do it? And the players are in 3D and it's not flat screened anymore. And like, I can see the puck moving and all this. It, it sold me right there. And from that point on, I was a huge gamer. Um, I had the, the PS2 um, when it came out or roughly around when it came out, of course, there was a huge shortage with those because of the DVD players, which the DVD player changed my life as well um, with watching movies um, I did not get a PS3 at launch because Sony made the wonderful, um, heartbreaking decision for a, a small kid uh, saving up his money and said that the console was going to be $600. So I, I switched to the dark side at that point to Xbox 360, and I loved it. I loved my time with my Xbox 360. My friends loved it. I remember um, when I first bought it, went over to a friend's house who had a, a DSL internet because of course i only had dial up and we popped that thing in the internet and we played call of duty 2 for like 12 hours straight online killing people we thought it was the coolest thing ever so all you people with your Fortnite and all of this stuff like you need to go back to when you know online shooting was like the the in its infancy it was just such an unreal experience to get to do that and so since then, I've I've just continued on playing games. The the nice thing about being an adult, and I've told some of my kids this that I, I teach at youth group, is I made the mistake of selling a lot of my games to fund being able to play games because when you're a poor young kid, that's what you do. GameStop and your horrible predatory ways of giving me terrible trading credit. I used you like nobody's business so that I could play other games. And... Um, since then I have gotten back into collecting a lot of the old video games that I used to love. I have a big collector in, um, I've got PS1, Dreamcast, PS2, PS3, Xbox, Xbox 360. Um, so that's kind of my, my old generation of gaming that I'm kind of slowly working my way backwards and repurchasing and having it just in my collection and, eventually to have my kids have an experience with it so that they can see maybe what gaming was like and see what they think about it and probably tell dad that he's really old and 
I can't believe that you used to do this type of moment, which I think everybody has at some point. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my background in gaming right now. Nice. Um, so what does your background in faith look like? So, um, currently I'm a youth pastor at a church. Um, I love working with kids and that's kind of where my faith background started was, you know, growing up in not the best of situations all the time. Um, church kind of became my home church became my family and my youth pastor was a huge father figure to me. And so I saw that and I was like, you know what? I want to do the same for other kids. I know that there are other kids out there that are going to have similar stories to me. And I want to be able to offer that to them and give back to what I experienced through my youth pastor and through church myself. So I went to school to be a youth pastor. I unfortunately did not become a youth pastor straight out of school because, uh, yeah, things just didn't work out. And God's timing is a lot different than our timing. And I am definitely the absolute definition of what that looks like. And I use that in my testimony. And several times I've talked to my kids about that, about patience and waiting and how we grow. And we may not get what we want right now, but it may still be there for us in the future. And so I'm kind of living that out right now, which is awesome. Um, And like I said, I just really love working with kids. Uh, I also coach soccer. I coach a high school soccer team. So I get, I get a lot of doses of high schoolers and middle schoolers 24 seven. And honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask for it any other way. Nice. Um, so that ties into a little bit. I was going to ask you what some of your other hobbies are. Um, so other than like those things, what are some of your other hobbies that you do in your free time? Um, big for me is sports. Um, if video games aren't taking up my time, most likely sports are, um, I love hockey I play ice hockey in my free time, so that's a lot of fun for me. Um, and, of course, I used to play soccer, and I say used to because my body just does not allow me to play soccer the way I want to play soccer, so I've just kind of given up on doing that because I just don't find fun in not being able to push my body to its full limits that I used to back when I played in college. So it's hard for me to enjoy that, but getting to coach it and be around the game still is a real um, treat for me to be able to do. So I definitely think that those are my two big ones. Um, hanging out with my dogs, my wife, those are kind of my other hobbies that I have. But other than that, I think those are my, those are my big, big things that kind of consume the time that I have. Nice. So, um, what is your favorite Bible verse or Bible story? I have a favorite Bible verse and I have a favorite Bible story. Okay. Favorite Bible verse. Colossians 3.23, everything that you do for the Lord, do it as if you're doing it for him and not men. I, I'm paraphrasing. I So the reason why I like that verse is that was actually my soccer team's verse in college. And I, I remember it because we did a conditioning drill circled around that where you had to do a relay run. And at the end of each relay, you had to recite the verse word for word. Okay. Um, But I think that verse is so applicable in everything that I want to do with my life. Whereas everything that I do, I need to be doing it for God and not for people. Um, I, the things I do, I don't do it because I'm doing it for this person or that person. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do for God. And it's what God wants. So that's kind of my reminder. As far as Bible stories, this is my favorite one to talk to the kids about because I call it the uh, the greatest action story never put on film. 
which of course is the story of Samson. Um, And I remember getting that story a lot from my youth pastor and we would chat about it. We would just be like, Samson's a man. He's a dude. (laughs) Like Samson is a dude that you don't want to mess with. And just like any dude, what happens? A woman is his downfall. It just (laughs) happens that way sometimes. But it's just a cool story that I think is fun to teach kids and to show them. Like, here's this really cool Bible story that, like, is about this, like, if I pictured a movie with Samson, it'd probably be Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Samson, (laughs) of course. Um, And then when you get to the uh, jawbone of the donkey part, I think kids kind of get a a little bit of a kick out of that where they're like, Oh, that's so cool. So that's, that's probably my favorite Bible story. Nice. Very nice. Um, so I want to jump into kind of thoughts for the future, uh, which would be number one. Um, what do you want, uh, or why do you want to be a part of Crossfire and work in this community? And, uh, and what are your hopes for our work uh, in Crossfire? Uh, and then I will get into my last question, uh, after that. Um, yeah, so my reasoning, it's funny. I'll tell the story of how I got connected with this, um, because it was through my wife. Um, my wife comes home from one of her conferences from the Methodist church because she's a pastor too. And she's like, Hey, I met this guy named David. Here's his card. Like he does a Christian gaming community and, and I know you game, you like to play games, so you should like connect with him. Um, so that was kind of my introduction to all this. And I was like, Hmm. Christian gaming community. Okay. Well, I, I may check it out. I didn't for a while. I had the card for quite a while. Um, and I don't remember exactly what like prompted me to do it. Maybe it was my wife saying it again, like, Oh, you should really check it out. Blah, blah, blah. So I did. And, um, you know, being able to talk games in a community is something that I sometimes long for. Cause I don't have a lot of friends that play games as well. And so sometimes I feel isolated in the fact that I play games. And so I'm always, kind of excited when I find that. Um, But then when I really think about a community where it's a safe place for gamers to come, but also people who have faith and who have, you know, faith in their lives. So we have these two big things in common that are two big, important aspects of my life. And here's a community that combines those two so that we gives you a place where people who I know have some of the same ideas and thoughts, can come and talk about the games they love. And it was just a thing that I think really uh, appealed to me and really made me want to be a part of it and see how can we grow this and how can we find more people out there that are just like us who are searching for a similar community. Um, as far as what I want to see this go, I'm excited for what we're doing. I'm excited that we got to do this podcast because, um, again, I, I love talking about games. And so finding an outlet to be able to do that is a lot of fun. But I think the bigger picture of what we're able to do with this is kind of what I'm hoping to see. Um, The idea of maybe being able to and most likely being able to do some fundraisers and help out others who aren't as fortunate as maybe myself or you or some of the other people that are in the group. But in being able to give them the gift of gaming in some way or another, I think would be massive. Because I know that gaming got me through some of the worst times growing up as a kid. Um, I remember nights where, you know, my friends ditched me for whatever reason. Because, you know, we're kids. That happens. You don't think about people's feelings. And I could turn to my games and say, you know what? Tonight I'm just going to play my games. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to let it affect me. 
and I'll figure out stuff tomorrow. And it was a great outlet for that. So I think being able to give kids and other people who are unfortunate, not able to game or not able to game the way they want, I think would be an awesome thing um, to be able to give back to others. And then also I think giving a voice to the community um, since joining this and since talking to you and since brainstorming for this podcast, I've kind of reached out and gotten to know a lot of Christian game developers, which one, I didn't really know it was a thing. And two, I think it's kind of cool, the idea that maybe we can give a voice or kind of a spotlight on this niche gaming community that's out there that we may not know a ton about. And I'm excited to learn about that, learn about how people are showing their faith in games. And then maybe down the road, maybe there's some bigger developers who, you know, maybe not so vocally are people of faith. And what does that look like in giving them a voice to say, here's a safe place that you can come and maybe talk about this aspect a little bit more than your gaming aspect that you only talk about in the secular media constantly. Who knows? But I think that kind of excites me as well. So the, uh, the ability to give back to others and the ability to share some stories, I think that's um, what we could definitely strive, so, <clears throat> strive to do in the future. Nice. Um, so last question for you is, uh, what is your most anticipated game coming up? Well, we know that I talk about it all the time, so it's definitely The Last of Us Part 2. Um, Ghost of Tsushima jumped up there, although I don't know what the combat system, if it's really going to live up to that hype for me, unfortunately. That kind of like, I was like, yes, yes, yes. Oh, So we'll see. I'll give it a chance um, and see how hard it is. Maybe I end up liking it, and, and so we go from there. Other than that, I'm just excited for next-gen consoles um, in general. I'm excited because... Um, I've gotten to experience one console launch day one of getting to try out a console for the first time, never had any experience with it, never touched it, getting that box day one without anybody really having too many reviews or comments on it and getting to experience for myself was awesome. I got to do that with PS4 from the start. So I'm excited to do that again. And it's, it's a fun experience. So I'm, I'm excited for that day when we get to, you know, open a new brand new console and get to hold you know, the controller in your hand for the first time and see what it feels like and experience all that. So those are my two kind of big categories coming up here in the next year or so. Awesome. Well, I think that's all I've got. You got anything else you want to wrap up with? No, I mean, uh, you got any uh, games you're planning to play here upcoming that you can think of? Um, well, I do want to, I want to mention and probably give a shout out. Uh, we did start a Minecraft, uh, server. So if you're out there listening, uh, check out our Facebook page, uh, our Facebook group, which is crossfire faith and gaming. You can find it at facebook.com slash, uh, I think it's slash groups slash X F U M C for crossfire U M C. Um, but look up Crossfire Faith and Gaming and then get connected with our um, Discord chat. Uh, we've been trying to have our Monday night fellowship time. And then uh, also our Minecraft server is up and running. Uh, we got a Patreon channel. So if you like the stuff we're doing and you want to support it, uh, you can look for us over there. I think it's under Rev David Petty uh, and the stuff that we're doing if you want to support us. Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably it. Uh, I plan to try and jump into a bunch of different games and <laughs> maybe actually just pick one and play it for a bit. Yeah, well, like I said earlier, going to be picking up Maneater tomorrow, so I'm going <laughs> to see how good it is and see if it's uh, worth oh, the uh, purchase price for people. But 
Um, besides that, yeah, if if you don't want to throw money our way yet, or you don't, you know, feel comfortable doing that, um, as easy as subscribing to our podcast, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, um, YouTube, and then giving it a review. Um, you can hit five stars on iTunes, really easy. You don't have to write a review. The more you, we get those reviews in there, the better that it is for people being able to find us. Um, but that's the best way that you can support us too is is subscribing, sharing it with others, just spreading the word about this because we're hoping to grow this and, and afford us opportunities to give things to other people um, coming up. So we, we want to give away some games. We want to, who knows in the future, give away some consoles to, to some people in need. Maybe a live stream fundraiser where we do a, a live stream of Russ playing man eater and eating people with sharks um, or, you know, or who, yeah, something else, a live stream of some sort where we fundraise uh, and give money to some sort of organization like extra life or, um, you know, one of those organizations out there that's helping people or fundraise for our own thing, you know, buy an adaptability controller for some kid that, that needs it to be able to play some sort of not super hard game, like not Cupheads or not ghost of Tsushima. But, um, I think it would be awesome to do some of those things and we're going to be able to do those things because of your support. So if you're out there listening, we appreciate you. We appreciate your support. We appreciate you sharing us with your friends and coming back in a couple of weeks when we drop uh, episode four. Yeah. See you guys then. God bless. Special thanks to 8-Bit Mullet and DJ Supersonic for allowing us to use their remix of the Crossfire theme song. Check out our community at facebook.com slash groups slash XFUMC. Crossfire is an inclusive, faith-based community of gamers. Join us in Facebook or in Discord. Special thanks to audio engineer Jimmy Cavettis for mastering our podcast. Crossfire! Crossfire. You get it.